my beautiful people. I know you have all missed us. We've had a very busy week, you know, winning awards and stuff here what? with the EMP Sports Show. What What did you just say? Um, The EMP Sports Show? No, 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 no. Before that. A busy week. But right after that. Uh, there, there's some right after the, the busy week and the EMP show. There's some in between there. Oh, you want to know what was sandwiched in there? Yes. What was sandwiched in there, sir? <laughs> Winning awards. What? Yes, 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 people. Oh, what awards are you talking about, sir? All right, so there is this international. I, I actually just found that out today that it was international, and it's not just within the United States. It is an international award for broadcasting. What? Yes. We here, your humble servants of the EMP Sports Show here, entered two, two entries into this into the ceremony. That's this many, right? Yes. Yes. And you want to know how many awards we're bringing here? How many awards this show won? How many? One. Two. What? <laughs> so you're telling me that the EMP Morning Show is bringing back two awards from this international contest? Two, two out of two. Like, we did two entries, get back two awards. What? What? Yeah. So you're telling me that the BEA, the biggest international tournament, well, not tournament, but contest, technically it's a tournament, but contest. Awards. You're telling me that of all the colleges, and we're talking four-year, two-year, all these big colleges, Florida State, Yale, a, a school in Cairo, Egypt. And entered. you're telling me that EMP here at Ames Student Radio at Ames Community College is bringing home two? Yes. Oh, my God. Sir, that's, that's pretty amazing. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I, uh, wow, I'm taking it back. So here we are, EMP show, two award winners from the BEA. See, she knows what's up. Oh, she yeah. knows what's up. BEA festival international contest winners. Where, where do we go get these awards? Where are we going? Well, potentially, we are going to Vegas. What? Say that again. Vegas. What? Las Vegas. So you're telling me not only did we win two awards in the BEA contest against huge schools, but we're also going to Vegas to collect our awards? Potentially, Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. See, see, look, look at one of our fans out there. She's happy. She knows what's up. That's crazy. And why, why do you say potentially, man? It, it's a done deal. 
Well, for some uh, for some of us, we got to figure out if it's uh, financially feasible to go. It shall be. It shall be. I mean, if the school decides, you know, just pay our way there, I mean, you know, flights and and hotel room and technically whatnot. Should. I, I, at that point, I would feel like I'd have to go. Yeah, yeah. You know, let, honestly, man, let, let's think about driving because I think it's it's, I think it's a twelve hour drive around there. Yeah, I think it's about twelve hour drive. We can drive that. Three of us. That'd be four hours driving each way. That would be. We'll, we'll talk about this. We'll talk about this. But yes, folks, that's huge news. EMP show, award winners, BA awards. That's how we do. And the good thing about that is not only are we going to stay committed pleasuring your ears every morning. But we're not going to pull... Oh, what was his name? I forgot his name. What's his name? All right. I, I get what you're hinting at here. We have so much to get into today. We're going to end up... We're going to start talking about Mel Tucker, the cowardice of him leaving Colorado after of all, all the lying to our faces he did. That's okay. I was trying to think Mel Tucker. Why does that name sound familiar? He's is he a good guy? Is is he, you know, somebody that we want in our life? But then when he brought up the line, now it makes sense. Mel Tucker, who last year five and seven record. I mean, a not a great record, but it was his first year. Uh, helped Colorado to the 34th ranked recruiting class in the country, which I believe is the highest Colorado has been in as far as recruit ranking in like 20 plus years. So this guy does a great thing for, for the future of the University of Colorado football team. Actually, football program. Right? Is that, that, that's what you're saying? C. Okay. So here he is, this guy, doing good things for the future of CU Buff football. He gets in, he gets his hugs, he gets his kisses, and then he just leaves? Yes. Um, he left to go to Michigan State, uh, which is actually where he went to school. No, uh, where he started his coaching career was as an assistant there under Nick Saban. He actually went to school, I believe, at Wisconsin. He grew up in Indiana, I want to say. So he he has a lot of Big Ten connections, which is, I'll say, part of the reason he probably went. Biggest part is that Michigan State offered him like double his salary to go up there and way more of a budget as far as hiring assistant coaches and being able to, you know, pay his staff. But what bugs me about this, okay, is you just got done recruiting all these players. Telling these players how you're so committed to them. 
how you you see a bright future with these individuals and together we're going to win and change the change the culture change the trajectory of this football program so basically what he's doing is, is he got down on his knee and he's popping the question he 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 went out he went to Jared he got that big old diamond ring you got a friend in the jewelry business the Shane company but he gets down on his knee. He's ready to commit. He's ready to ask the Colorado. Uh, lost my train of thought there. Buffalo? Yes, the Colorado Buffalo football program to marry him. He's ready to do this. And then he just chucks deuces? Yes. Uh <laughs> That that's what bugs me so much about this is the and I can already I can already hear it. Phil is not with us today. He's under the weather and has had a uh, had a rough past week, it appears. He did. He he most definitely did. Um just wanna wish Phil a uh, speedy recovery. Yes, my thoughts are with you, Phil. But I can already Bit hear oops. him in my head, like what he'd say, like, man, it's just a business. He's going to go get that money. And I get that though, man, but you know, how are you going to how are you going to get down on one knee and commit and then just find a new girl? And then he goes to Michigan State and in his acceptance or his introductory conference talks about he's he's committed to building a program based on integrity. Integrity my butt. Like can't even do that for Colorado. I, I get that I get wanting more money. I totally get that. I get you got ties to Michigan State. But one thing that bothers me, and it, it's probably most prevalent in college football when it comes to coaches, but one thing that bothers me as a whole is the lack of commitment to contracts. It's ridiculous. Like when you're a head coach, okay? When you are a head coach, especially of a college football program, you are making commitments to those players that you're recruiting. You are probably a huge part of why some of these players are choosing to come to your school. And you are selling them this, selling them on this idea that you are building something, that you are working towards a common goal. And then you're like, uh, oh, Whatever, you guys actually don't mean anything to me. I got a better offer over here. That is some of the most back-ass backwards crap ever. It is. And here's the thing. Is if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it the night before he was at a function? Yes, a um um a fundraiser function. There you go. Fundraiser. And was he not making the comments of you know, getting ready for next season, getting anticipated for everything around bettering the CU football team, bettering the program. Basically, man, just just giving us hope. And then he just just chucks deuces. And didn't even get a didn't even get a a, a warning or a heads up. No, 
And it's, you know, maybe even Mel, Mel Tucker gave us the wham bam, thank you, ma'am, and then stole our wallet. And it's not even like he, he um, maybe don't even have to finish out your contract. But the timing of when he left, I mean, he just got done recruiting players. Like the the official like signing day was just last week. Okay, like last Thursday. Like this is a week or less since signing day. And all these players that you fed these lines to of I am committed to you. Be committed to me. And the second something else shows up that are that you know that that, that is potentially a better opportunity, you're like, oh, chuck the deuces. I'm out. And how Here, here's the thing. I don't I don't see Michigan State being a better opportunity. It's more money. More money, yeah, but I see and quite frankly in a better conference. I mean, I'm a big Pac twelve fan, but it, it's a better conference. I mean, let's think about it, man. You turn around CU, you turn around the program, and you become you become contenders for the Pac twelve championship. Yeah. You start becoming contenders for the big bowl games, not, you know, the 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 hand me downs. You know what I mean? The ones that actually kind of somewhat matter. Yeah. You get into that, man, and I guarantee you there's more money coming your way. I guarantee it. Cause let, let, let's not let's not beat around the bush, man. CU is home of the rich people. They're almost like DU. Okay. Um now, I totally get where you're coming from with this, and again, I am totally against what Mel Puck Tucker did. I don't know how he can look recruits in the face when he's recruiting for Michigan State and be like, I'm committed to you. I'm a lying piece of crap. I'm committed to you. Just for this, but, I, I hope I hope Michigan State gets two wins this coming season. But a lot of the money that comes to be able to pay salaries for coaching staffs and whatnot come from TV deals and money wise the Pac-12 network does not bring in near the money that the Big Ten does. Right, right. I get that. I get that, man. But it's still one of those things, man. You can't sit there and commit to to future players. You can't sit there and commit to the university. You can't sit there and commit to the state of Colorado. That's a big thing, man. You're committing to the state of Colorado. It, it also hurts so much because the team, granted, five and seven last year, but you could see where it was heading. Right. You you see this recruitment class coming in. You see these steps that happened. His ability to recruit not being a, a small factor in this, but you saw that the program was heading in the right direction. Most definitely, man. And And that's just... It's very frustrating because of how shady it was. Had it been, you know, a heads up two months ago, a month ago, it'd be different. But as shady as that was, man, you. Now, it's you're never you're probably never going to see this, but I would love to see it and and. I like to think if I was in the position of being one of these, you know, high school recruits 
for a big time football program or whatever, I would appreciate it. If a coach came up and was honest during recruitment, hey, I want you to come play for me and I can, I'll be here next year, but beyond that, I can't promise you anything, but we can make this year that we'd be together the best year of your life. And I promise I can leave you in a better situation than when you came. Mike, I, I don't know if it's because tomorrow's Valentine's Day, man, but I'm I'm ready to commit to you right now. By just just having you say that to me and look at me in the eyes, I'm I'm ready to be your girl right now, man. Thank you, boo boo. It's just it, it's ridiculous, man. We're gonna take a small break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna dive into more of some individuals that have an, an interest in the head coaching job. That's literally what I was just looking at. Really? Yeah. It's like we're mind readers. That's how you get awards, baby. Welcome back to the award-winning EMP Sports Show here. Award-winning! We've been talking about... Not an award winner. Mel Tucker. Scrub. And his departure for Michigan State. Scrub. So we've kind of, we've delved into that, but let's just move slightly on to, you know what? Who are we going to replace him with? Well, good thing you bring that up because it looks like top runner is, uh, it's kind of, kind of painful. But I mean, he he is an alumni of CU. Oh, if he, only he won a Super Bowl too. Ah, ah, he did. What? He did. Just recently too. Oh, like 2015? No, 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 no. no, no. Oh, as in like a couple weeks ago. What? Yes. He uh, happens to be the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator. Eric, the enemy. Close. Oh, did I say it wrong? Probably. The enemy? Yes. There we go. Went from a soft A and got into a heart. (laughs) Yeah, right now, um, it is being reported that Eric and CU have a mutual interest in each other. Now, how... Has this progressed any farther, though? Not that I'm aware of. But it would not be a bad route to go. Now, I have a couple thoughts on this, um, specifically on on Eric being to me. One, is he more than just a rental, though? Because this is a guy that has been getting, you know, interviews and calls about being a NFL head coach. So, with that in mind though, I actually do like this because, you know, if if it's a legitimate concern and if Eric decides he wants to be honest about, you know, the fact that if a NFL head coaching job comes available, he would like to take it. The uh, another name that's been tied to this a lot has been um, Darren Chervelli, 
who is the current co-offensive coordinator and current interim head coach for Colorado. Right. Now he's he's never had head coaching experience. Uh and he's really only the last couple of years been a co-offensive coordinator, so he's never been necessarily a full-time coordinator. And he's also a player or a coach who is a former player at CU. So if Eric Benemy comes in and is like, hey, you know what? I would love to coach here. But to be honest with you, if the NFL comes calling for a head coaching job, I'm probably going to take it. If he's even just here for two seasons, with the idea that uh, Chevroni is kind of the the coach in waiting, if you will, kind of you know, for lack of a better association, kind of like what the Patriots are supposed to be doing with Josh McDaniels up there. I kind of like it. Um, let let uh, Darren kind of get more accurate acclimated get a little more comfortable um and you know maybe eric could even let him you know slowly learn more about what it takes being the the man at the university so i could like that uh it's because having eric there because it's obvious what he's done in kansas city i mean you can make an argument of how much of that is really what how much of that is really him and how much of that is, you know, you have Patrick Mahomes. So I could go out there and be offensive coordinator and we'd look good sort of deal. But I, I could like that. It, it's got a, it's got a good chime to it. It's got a good ring. Now my first instinct though, is Mel Tucker defensive-minded dude, okay? This recruiting class was under Mel Tucker. It's going to be a defensive-minded recruiting class. So why not, you know, look at defensive coordinators and potentially trying to bring in another defensive-minded guy to be the dude here in Colorado? Um, one of the names that comes up is Andy Avalos, co-defensive coordinator at Oregon, a former Boise State linebacker, uh, coach, quote-unquote, coach on the rise in the Pac-12. Uh, he's a California native, which means he's probably has some connections there, could be a, you know, good ability to recruit from there with connections he has, and he's also Pac-12 He's familiar with Pac-12 being from Oregon or like coaching in Oregon. He also was a defense coordinator for the uh, Boise State Broncos. So he has Bronco connections, which is cool. Not the right Broncos, but still Bronco connections. It's got the name in there. Yeah. So it counts. Um, so he's he's another name potentially to that that has my interest a little bit. And then the last one, I can't think of his name right now, but the one of, if not the legendary high school coach in Colorado, I believe he went to school at CU, played in the NFL, and then he, he's won a national championship, or not national, a state championship at four different high schools here in Colorado. Who's that? I'm trying to think of his name, and I can't for the life of me right now. 
Oh, uh, Dave Logan. I that might be it. That might be it. I, it, I know it started with an L. Hmm. Voice of the Broncos. Is he the voice of the Broncos? Uh he he was. Ooh. He used to do the uh, eight fifty KOA. Interesting. But it, it could also be somebody else, man. I mean, <clears throat> you never know. It, it, maybe it's going to take a former Bronco. I mean, look at UNC. Bring in Ed McCaffrey. Eddie Mack. Yeah, somebody tried to say, let's bring in Ed McCaffrey to take the head coaching job there. I'm like, no, let's not Let's not do to UNC what was just, just done to see you. Yep. Don't do that. All right, guys. We're going to take a small break. And then when we come back, we're going to shift some gears to something a little bit different. And by different, I mean it's a game changer to the game. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, my people. Oh, yes. Now that I have had time to calm down from that idiot, Mel Tucker. Check, check. This. Ish. Out. The Major League Baseball, the MLB, has made some interesting changes to their rules that will be going into effect starting March 12th. One of these rules, um, the one that's probably getting the most uh, headlines out there, is the three batter minimum. So now, when a pitcher comes into the game they must face at least three batters. This goes for starters and relievers and openers, whatever. If you go onto the mound to throw the ball to the plate, you must face at least three batters. So gone are the days of bringing in that lefty specialist to just get you past that big bat. No, sir. No, sir. Not any more. How do you feel about this? I mean, it makes sense, man. Because they're doing it to, to speed up the game. That, that's a I huge get, thing. Which I get. And, I mean, as, as a relief pitcher, man, you kind of want to have your, your time out there. You know I mean, I don't know very many relief pitchers that just go out there for, hey, I, I just want to go out for one guy. That's all I want to do, one guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it does a lot to speed up the speed up the game because it's just it was it was kind of ridiculous. You know, some teams go through like three pitchers in one inning, and that's like a two minute break. You know, every time you switch out your pitchers. At least, I forget what the clock specifically is set to, but you know you gotta allow time for them to come in, 
from the bullpen, get to the mound, throw their warm-up pitches. I mean, it was kind of ridiculous, and it was kind of annoying. Very annoying. Uh, I mean, the, the baseball purists will argue that it's taken away from some of the the uh, strategy, the chess play that is baseball. I actually like it, honestly. It makes more sense. Uh, another cha- couple changes. The roster size is going to be going from 25 up to 26, a uh, maximum of 13 pitchers. Then also in September, it is going to be going. Uh, it's going to going down to twenty eight instead of the forty man rosters for the fall call ups. So instead of you know having up like your entire triple A team, basically, you can only have twenty eight players, max of fourteen pitchers. So you're only going up one extra pitcher. So. I mean, you're only going up two more players in general since the roster size for the regular season was increased to 26. So you bring up, you know, your your favorite AAA pitcher and your favorite position player is basically what this comes down to. Which, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. The, the guy's most likely to make that, to, to make the roster next year, I guess, is kind of how I picture that. So, it... So far, it's all good changes, and I don't really see it taking away any part of the game. Even even with the the three pitcher or the three batter minimum for relief pitchers, that's still not taken away from the game. So I, I'm cool with it. There's also an official two way player designation. I gotta feel like this kind of came around because of Shohei Otani. With the Angels, because he's their DH on days that he's not pitching, basically. Um, and this allows Shohei, for instance, to not count against the 13 pitcher limit. It also actually lists here Michael Lorenzen as another player, because um, he he plays the outfield as well for the Reds and and is a relief pitcher. The Reds. All right. And then position players pitching. Position players are allowed to pitch only if a game goes into extra innings. Or if their team is winning or losing by more than six runs. I mean, this 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 makes sense, too. And it also is kind of like, I don't know, I kind of feel like it was more or less already a thing. I mean, it wasn't like an official rule, but how often, you know, are you going to be like, hey, hey, Chuck, Chuck Nasty, go pitch in this third inning of this one-run game real quick. I mean, you didn't really see that. No. <laughs> I mean, you did see it with, uh, oh, what's that one cat's name? Ian Desmond. Yeah, but wasn't that a blowout game? I don't know, was it? I want to say it was, but I guess I don't remember for sure. I I gotta be honest, I wasn't paying attention. I just honestly, I don't think that was a game. I think that was a game that was blacked out too. Was it? I think so. Yeah, because I remember I seen it on ESPN. 
Uh, and I'm I'm pretty clutch, man, when it comes to watching the Rockies. I've been pretty good about it. And, it, you know, I'll be able to watch all the Rockies games because AT&T Sportsnet is not having a uh, contract dispute with Comcast because they actually care about fans. They do. Anyways, uh, also, this now instead of the 26th man, it's now 27th man. That's more of a... Uh, more of a formality because, yeah, obviously with a 26-man roster, you, the 26th man is already on the roster, so it's kind of like, well, now it needs to be called the 27th man. do 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 I do want to know one thing. Only one thing? Only one thing. With the recent minor, I guess you could say, I'm, I'm, it's not really minor as far as like as the teams go, but to, to fans, it's kind of a minor change. But with the with the changes that just happened with the rules, is there one rule that you would change that hasn't already been changed in baseball? Yes. Um. Not that I can really, well, uh, yes, there is one rule, and we kind of talked about it last week. There needs to be a salary cap. It is just mind-numbingly stupid that there is not a salary cap. Even if you do like a, a soft cap and then a hard cap like basketball does, there needs to be a salary cap. It's just stupid that there is not. Point blank, period. It is stupid. That there is not the difference, you know, like the difference between, uh, you know, like the top three teams as far as player salary goes and like the bottom three teams is close to like $200 million. Like it's over a hundred million dollars in discrepancy between the, the top tier and the bottom tier as far as, as far as player salaries go and, and roster costs. And that is stupid and ridiculous. So that is 100% a rule that should be changed, needs to be changed, and unfortunately probably won't be changed. So besides that, that that's, that's the only thing you would change? Off the top of my head, that's the only thing that I think would be changed, that I think... That I think I'd want to be changed. Another thing that kind of came to mind, but I don't, I'm not sold on it, is having, um, well, okay, winner designation as far as pitchers. Like, I, I think winning stats is one of the most overrated things in team sports because it's a team, it's a team game. Right. Quarterbacks, you know, I don't care that you're the quarterback, it's a team win. You should not be the one credited with a win. When you're a goalie, it's a team win. Like, whether you face 44 shots or you face 13 shots, you know, a win is a win. You aren't necessarily the one most responsible for for the win always, you know, because it's a team sport. When it comes to pitching, I also think it's kind of ridiculous the rules put on who gets credit for a win. Okay. Um, say you a pitcher goes out, all right, pitches five innings of shutout baseball, 
but it's also a shutout. Like it's a shutout all around. You go in the sixth inning, tied zero zero. Or let's say they, the pitch, the starting pitcher pitches five and two thirds for this argument. Okay, and then the relief pitcher comes in, closes out that inning. Okay, gets one out in the inning. He could even give up a couple hits and get and that one out. Especially with these rules having to face three batters. Okay. And then his team then scores in the next in in the bottom half of that inning. He gets credit for the win. Because he was the last pitcher on the mound when his team took the lead. Regardless that the starting pitcher in this scenario actually pitched a phenomenal game, they get no they get no decision in this. Right. And that that's that's one rule that I would change. Because I mean it's it's the starting pitcher's job that he did leading up to that that allowed them to get where they were. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Another rule that I would change was and is allowing the players of the team to vote on getting rid of GMs. <laughs> that that is the rule uh, I would put in. That is uh feel like you have a feel like you have a a uh, agenda with that rule change there, Eddie. I kind of do. What do you, why would you be upset? The the Rockies are going to win 94 games this season. I I am okay with that. I mean, Dick Monfort told us so. 94 wins this season. But I believe the team would be so much happier if they had a new GM. It doesn't make any sense to me why Bryce still has a job. I think it doesn't make sense to Absolutely a lot of people. Absolutely zero sense to me. He's not been that good at his job. He hasn't been. And he's alienating an all-time type of talent, especially an, the all-time best Rocky in Nolan Arenado. Who is very arguably the best player to pick up a glove. Uh, uh, yeah. They're, like, you know, people, like, national people whose job is to talk baseball solely, really, Talk about Nolan Arenado's potentially being the best third baseman ever. It's it shouldn't be talk. It should be a fact. If you look at everything Nolan Arenado has done, and for Nolan Arenado to continue doing great things, a certain GM. I don't, I don't want to point fingers at, at a specific person like you did, but a certain GM. Oh, he his name needs to be called out. He's stupid. Would be better He's childish working at like McDonald's or something like that. Mm, I'd boycott the McDonald's. <sighs> I just boycott that McDonald's. Yeah, that McDonald's. Lakewood means rewind, the gunshot means forward. You requested it, so we rewind. Yes, 
Now, it's been a while since we have been with you today. You know, the award-winning EMP show that we are. Let's 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 not beat around the bush, man. Let's not beat around the bush. The reason we took such a long time getting back on the mic and you guys had to listen to music was because we had to shake hands with some high-profile people as they were coming to tell us congratulations. And then we also had a couple online interviews that we had to do for some, uh, I'm not going to say the name of the radio stations, but pretty big, pretty, 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 pretty big, pretty big. And that's just, that's what comes with the territory of winning awards, man. It's just, we can't help it. I know you guys can't help it. It is what it is, baby. It is what it is. But you know how it goes. You know, it is what it is. Yes. The weekend rewind is more like a past week rewind when we're talking about the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, the they, Avalanche. They have now played six games since returning from their like two-week break. The first game, admittedly, was rough against the Flyers. Lost that one 6-3. to three. But then since then, on Tuesday, last Tuesday, not, not like two days ago Tuesday, but last Tuesday, we beat the Buffalo Sabres. We beat them 6-1. to one. With Grubauer in net, blocking 23 out of 24 shots. And then la- a week from yes, a week from today, we beat the Ottawa Senators in Ottawa. 4-1. to one. You know, for that, we had Grubauer in net once again. 25 out of 26 saves. You know, then we took on the playoff positioned Blue Jackets. Beat them, you know, whatever, two to one with, again, Grubauer in net, 31 out of 32 saves. And then we took on Minnesota with Francis in goal, and he blocked 34 out of 36 attempts. And then on Tuesday, we took on the Ottawa Senators once again. Now, granted, Ottawa, you know, they're not, they're not a great team right now but we beat them in a shutout three nothing groobs saving all 34 attempts shot at him the avalanche are on a roll lately and it's been a lot of fun to keep track of they are a team currently fifth in the NHL as far as point percentage goes, leading the Western Conference in point percentage, one point behind the Blues in the Central Division, one point behind the Blues for the entire Western Conference. But that is one point behind them with a game in hand. So tonight, 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 we play the Washington Capitals. Now, this is a huge game for Washington because Alex Ovechkin, he's on his quest for 700. Jason Gretzky. He is at, I believe, 698. So he's two goals short 
Uh, obviously, I really hope he does not achieve that tonight. This is a nationally televised game, as I assume most Capitals games will be until Ovechkin hits that 700 mark. Regardless, like whether it takes one game, two games, three games, however many games, I'm assuming the NHL and NBC is going to want to get Ovechkin hitting that 700th goal on national television. But it's not going to happen against the Avs. I'm really hoping not. I, I'm assuming. I'm assuming it's going to be Grubauer in goal, considering he's coming off of a shutout. Uh, his numbers are improving. Slightly. I mean, he's been hot lately, so his numbers are getting better. He is at a 264 goal out and a 915 save percentage. Still not great, but with the hot streak he's been on, it's definitely better than it was. Taking on the Washington Capitals. We actually beat Washington in our first meetup back on October 14th, 6-3, and tonight will be the conclusion of our our season series against the Washington Same thing's going to happen, man. Capitals going to get beat down. Now, if... Let me ask you this hypothetical. If the Avs could beat the Capitals tonight in regulation, but Ovechkin scores his 700th goal, would you want to be able to see that history and have the abs be a part of it in somehow in some way nah i i i wouldn't want that because then it's going to be what up percy it's going to be one of those things man where it's going to overshadow the avalanche win he can get he can get his goals his, his two goals or his one goal that he needs he can get that on Saturday against uh, the Coyotes. But not against the Avs. Not tonight. Tonight, the Avs just need to come out, play their game, get their dub, and hopefully, hopefully, the Golden Knights shut down St. Louis. That's what I was just looking at. And everything will be right in the world because the Avs will be in first place. That game will actually be on ESPN Plus. So when I get off work tonight, I especially, you know, with the Avalanche playing and whatnot, when I get home, I might turn on the Avalanche game, watch that, and might have the Blues game up on my phone to keep track of that as well simultaneously to try to, you know, hopefully when we wake up in the morning, Avalanche are in the number one positioning in the entire Western Conference. Another team of interest is the Dallas Stars, which is the team chasing the Avalanche right now. Uh, They play the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. I would really... I I want to play the Stars, but I kind of don't, considering the Stars swept us this season. It really wasn't... like they, They swept us this season. I would kind of... I'm not going to say I'm scared of any team, but if we could avoid playing the Stars in that first round, would definitely be nice. It would be. And hopefully the Stars drop and become a wild card. Well, eh, eh. Do we want that, though? Because if the Avs take the one seed, we're going to be playing a wild card team in that first round. let's, Let's judge this closer to the end of the season. Yeah. Let's do it that way. 
but the Stars do play the Maple Leafs tonight, another game of interest when it comes to the Avalanche. Uh, current wildcard teams, just throwing it out there, is Calgary and Arizona. Uh, really, it's a, it's a four-point drop-off from where the Stars are to those teams, and the Stars have games in hand. So it's not looking likely that the Stars are going to drop into the wild card picture and out of just the top three seed. Um, both of those, both of those teams I was talking about, Calgary and Arizona are at 64 points. Arizona currently, if, if St. Louis loses tonight and the Avs win, Arizona would be our matchup come, um, playoff time. I almost kind of would want to see that flipped. I kind of want to play Calgary again. I mean, we, we played them, 8-1 8-1 last year when we were the 8 and they were the 1. Playing them 8-1 again this season when we're the 1 and they're the 8. That'd be kind of fun. It would be. But I would much rather have... I mean, I think Calgary's a better team than Arizona, so it'd yeah. be more of a challenge. But, you know, but I'd rather whatever. have I'd rather have an easy first round. Easy first round? Easy. Just like last season? Yeah. Calgary was an easy first round. But, but even then, dude, like... Don't even let Coyotes win a game. Just sweep them right away. Another team that would be interesting just because of the rivalry sake of it. Uh, another couple teams, I should say. Minnesota and Nashville are both currently on the outside of the playoffs looking in. Uh, both are uh, Minnesota at 60 points, Nashville at four, 59. Obviously, there's a rivalry with Minnesota dating back to the playoff series against them. How many years ago was that now? Like eight years ago? Not It wasn't eight years ago, was it? I believe it was... It was six or seven. Yeah. But th- there's something to say for that. Nashville is another intriguing team just because we played the series against them our first time, our first bout into the playoffs a couple years ago. So to have a chance to go up against them again would be fun, in my book. Uh, not to mention Matt Duchesne is on that team, so there's a little bit of, little bit of personal rivalry, perhaps if we were to play the Predators. The Boston Bruins are currently, I mean, they they are the best team in the NHL right now. They're at 82 points. They have the best point percentage as well at 707. And I keep drawing parallels between the Boston Bruins and the uh, Colorado Avalanche in the fact that they're both really young teams that are already elite teams. Like, I kind of want to see it and I kind of, and I think it's a decent possibility of seeing a Boston Colorado finals. Stanley Cup finals? Yes. I I can definitely see that. I will definitely buy that for a dollar. And I do see that going seven games. Yes. It's it's I, it's one of those things, man, where like oh yeah. Boston is is that good of a team and they're they're that young and good of a team that they evenly match up with the abs and that beyond a doubt, would go seven games. A couple things to note here with the Colorado Avalanche. Power play percentage, we're about middle of the pack. We rank 16th out of 31 teams. Uh, Penalty kill, we come in at a lovely... Hey, don't go away. 
at a lovely 19 out of 31. We, if we really want to make headway when it comes to the playoffs, we got to get on top of our special teams. Because it's all the more crucial when it comes to playoff time. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, Also would like... uh, I definitely... You know what? No, no. Special teams would probably be the best just, just to work on. I also wouldn't be... In the know. You're not in the know? I'm not in the know. Against maybe maybe giving group after after this game, of course, and after after the uh, outdoor series. Um, but giving group and Francis kind of a rest and letting that uh, uh I'm trying to think what that cat's name is. The the goalie we just signed. Goalie we just picked up. Which, oh, the the young kid. Yeah, I can't think of his name. Um, that one guy. <laughs> you really nailed hey, it down hey, there. The guy Eddie. with the face. The guy with the face. All right. I'm. Dude, I, where is he? Uh, probably right now. I'm gonna guess he's in uh, Washington. Maybe Maryland. I'm trying to find the name. Possibly Virginia. Somewhere in the D.C. area. That's you know what? Um, I it's, guess. It's whatever. <laughs> whatever the, the the new goalie's name is. Uh, Bring Nick, him up. Yeah. Give, give him a chance. Just I, uh, I wouldn't mind giving him a chance. But with... Because Francis has been playing well as well. Um, you have two guys that have been... That have been hot... Uh, but I I don't want them to lose momentum. I mean, because he's probably not playing this year, so I don't want to force it when we're in we're in we're in contention right now. We have Stanley Cup aspirations right now, and we have two guys that are hot right now. Right. But I mean. Why not on on March second? Why not give him the start against Detroit on March second? Yeah, give him the start against Detroit because you you he's not going to be playing this season. So keep and keep the guys you have in rhythm. I mean, I I see where you're coming from, but. At the same time, let's give him the shot. Let's give him the opportunity just in case there's an issue with Grubauer, Francis, knocking on knocking on wood, that they get injured. At right. least he's already got he's already got that that time with the Avs already in there. You know what I mean? But it's 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 what it is here nor there. Would it be McKenzie Blackwood? You know what? That sounds 100% correct. All right. Our research I, assistant got it for us. Well, we like to thank our research assistant 
Because without our research assistant, without our TA, without our uh, our main squeeze help, Joe, we would not be award winners. So prop, props to the staff. Props to y'all. Props to everybody behind the curtain, you know? But anyway, back back to the abs. Okay. They play tonight, 7.30, against the Capitals. Ovechkin looking for his seventh on their goal. Not going to happen against the Avs. But that does not mean he should not tune in. I mean, for if not anything else, you tune in for Nathan McKinnon. He is currently fourth in the NHL in points at 78. Fourth in the NHL. He has been so dominant for the Avalanche. Yeah, we, we lost... Rantanen and Rantanen starting to kind of get back into form. We lost Landeskog. Landeskog is still, I wouldn't say he feels like 100%, but McKinnon has been that steady force that has really kept this Avalanche team in it this entire season. Most definitely, man. And with Ratnan get back into it, it's I'm gonna call it I'm gonna call it right now. All roads are leading to the Stanley Cup championship. Now, uh Nazim Kadri, before we end up going to break here, uh tell me something about him. He got hurt. Yes. He got hurt. Well, <laughs> I clicked on him and I was hoping it would give me an injury update like right off the bat, but it's gonna take more searching but that second line that we put together with Burkowski, Kadri and um and who who was the third cat in that uh boom 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 I believe it was Landeskog on the second Donskoy, line Donskoy was it Yeah was it Yeah it was Donskoy Okay um but that second line has been playing fantastic and I really hope Kadri you know hockey they don't give you a lot of details when it comes to injury but I hope it's something that he can get back before the end of the season and kind of get his legs back under him. Because with that dynamic between that dominant, dominant first line and then having a second line that was really gelling there, so dangerous offensively. Dude, the Owls are, are just dangerous all around. And that's the thing. That's what you guys need to watch. The Avalanche be dangerous to all comers. Yes, yes, yes. We here on the award-winning EMP show, award-winning, are going to talk some Denver Nuggets basketball, sir. What is what? What does BEA stand for? Don't ask me hard questions. I ju- I'm just a pretty face. You know what, sir? That that makes a lot of sense. Nobody cares what it stands for. All they care about is that it's an international competition that we brought home two awards from. You mean the Broadcast Education Association? Yeah, nobody really cares about that. No. It's just that it's the BEAs and we brought home two awards. Yeah. It it pretty much makes, makes us a big deal. Yeah. So there's that. The Denver Nuggets played the Los Angeles Lakers last night, and um, 
Well, we lost. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. In Hold overtime. On. Oh, there you go. That's what I wanted to hear. And, um, you know, some people will point to a couple things, you know, like that jump ball that was called uh, between Jokic and AD when it looked pretty obvious that it should have been a foul and one since he made the basket. Yep. Um, but uh, let's not let's not forget that on two of, of the possessions for Jokic that he just threw up in the air, he was fouled. There was contact. I'm not going to give him credit for that. That no, no, I, there, I, it annoys there the crap out of me when he does that. There was. That's that's like him trying to put on a beard and be James Harden. It's just stupid. You, Jokic play Jokic ball. Don't try to be James Harden in that bull crap. I'm just saying there was contact on there. But regardless, it took overtime for a very healthy Lakers team to beat us. And not by 10, not by 15, but by four, sir. Four points. And mind you, the Nuggets are without Plumley, Correct. Which I think Plumley by himself could have been the difference in this game and we would have won. Most definitely. Most definitely. Because another big body in there when Jokic is sitting mm-hmm. would have been huge for us. So we're without Plumley, We're without Barton, who... Who's been playing very well this year. Very well. Still should have traded him. So that that easily could have been the four points we needed. You know what I mean? And, and and without who's become an integral part of our second unit, huge scoring threat for our bench in MPJ. Exactly. So three of our very... Very good players. Three guys who will be seeing minutes in a playoff in, in playoff series. Yes. When you're shortening your bench, so to speak. But right now, having Barton back, that would have been at least an extra ten points from him himself. Yeah. So that more than likely would have been the difference. Having Plumley back would have been more than the difference. Plumley is the one. Like like MPJ and and Barton, it's like, uh, you know what, maybe, but their most of their impact comes scoring. The difference would have been, in my opinion, Plumley for his defensive presence inside. Because the Lakers are a very big team. I mean, a lot of times they're rolling out Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard out on the court at the same time. And we just did not have the size to match up with that inside. I mean, you can look at it and the fact that um, that Howard scored 14 points in this game when he was averaging about seven points a game for the season. Anthony Davis dropped 33 points. And you can't tell me that if we had Plumlee available to us that we don't play better defensively in the post against Anthony Davis. I will concur. But then I just, you know, unfortunately I just hear in my head like a little, you know, pessimistic Jiminy Cricket, Phil, going, man, you don't got a chance against the Lakers. Lakers got the big names. They got LeBron. They got AD. You just can't mess with that kind of name recognition. I mean, 
we're missing another big guy, another strong scorer, and another promising strong scorer. And we still took the Lakers to overtime and lost by four. When I, I will also point out the Lakers were 100% healthy. Correct. That alone right there shows that the Nuggets can hang with the Lakers. When it comes to the Western Conference Finals, I have no issue with the Nuggets and Lakers. Will it be a six game, seven game? Yeah, it will be. I'll tell you that right now. But there is no doubt within my mind, had we had one of the three guys we were missing last night back in the lineup, it would have been a Nuggets W. Point blank, end of story. I don't care who you are. If you don't agree, come fight me. So I want to point out uh, games Murray's been back for, okay? Against the Portland Trailblazers, he, in 19 minutes, he put up 20 points. I believe that was his first game back. Against the Utah Jazz, Murray, 31 points. Phoenix Suns, Murray. You want to know what he scored in that game? 36 points. Against the San Antonio Spurs, Murray dropped 26 points. And then last night, Murray drops 32 points. Murray since coming off an injury, and he keep in mind, he is still hurt. Make no mistake about it, he is still hurt, but he is playing, and he dropped 32 points. He's putting up thirty, roughly 30 points a game since coming back from injury. Yeah, he's not a name, and, and for national pundits, Jokic is barely a name, but this team can play with the Lakers. This team can play with the Clippers. If I'm being completely honest, I probably will pick the Clippers or the Lakers in a seven-game series against them, but I don't think it's some foregone conclusion Nuggets don't have a chance when it comes to these playoff series. I think that is ridiculous to say that when you see how well the Nuggets have played down so many pieces and just the style of play that they have. I believe Phil, Phil has to be the black sheep. He has to go against no, it, what we know. It's not even that. Like he falls into this trap. Like all the sports really do it, but basketball is probably the biggest offender of this. Is they spend so much time marketing the player. Like, and that's one of the one of the really smart things if you look at it financially speaking, as to how the NBA has marketed their product, is they market the player. And then when you look at whether it's ESPN or what have you, when they're talking about the sports, it's it's all about the player matchups. I mean, the NFL started to do it with, you know, quarterback matchups, more or less. But the NBA, it's all about the player matchups. And then, so you fall into this trap of, oh, well, we know the name Anthony Davis. Oh, well, we know the name LeBron James. So, hey. They got the names, so they must be the better team. And they're not. A healthy, healthy L.A. Lakers team was almost beaten by the Denver Nuggets in overtime. Correct. And mind you, 
this would be a whole different topic if it was, well, Denver lost by 12. Mm. Denver lost by 20 in regulation. But no, it wasn't like that. Nope. The the quote-unquote king, LeBron James, had the opportunity to, to close it out at regulation. And guess what? Oh, he, he blew that. He blew that. So bricked it. It's I'm I'm trying to, you know, you know, take it easy on Phil, because it's not his fault that he's letting his malleable mind get, you know, squished and molded by just pure name recognition and believing that that is what wins, that 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 is what trumps all. And it, it's just falling into this trap of the national media as far as, you know what, Denver flyover state. Nuggets, they're just pretenders. They don't have LeBron or or Kawhi or or Giannis. They're just a flyover. They're they're pretenders that, you know, they're a nice story in the regular season. And he's just he's just allowed his mind to fall into that trap. And I just feel sorry for him, honestly. I mean, point blank and a story. Nuggets show what they're all about last night. And granted, it was not a W that we wanted, but still showcase what the Nuggets are all about. I mean, you can go back, back to back against Utah. The second night of that back to back, you know, after that big trade went down, we played seven guys against the Utah Jazz. Seven guys, okay, seven, and we won that game. You go back to the week, you know, the, the last day of January, second night again of a back-to-back at Milwaukee, the, at least record-wise, the best team in the NBA. We go on the road there, second night of a back-to-back, with mounting injuries. This was before Millsap came back. This was before Murray came back. And we beat them by double digits you cannot come at me and try to tell me that the nuggets are a pretender in this playoff landscape not today i don't care if they don't have the name recognition of a lebron james and an anthony davis of a Kawhi and pg you with your eyes watching this team and how they play together you have no choice but to see that this team is for real. This team is not a pretender. I'm not trying to sit here and tell you I guarantee they're going to beat the Clippers or the Lakers in a seven-game series. Because honestly, I I think that they might that they'd probably lose those series. But they're going to take them to six, seven games. It's not a foregone conclusion when you're talking about this Nuggets team going up against the the you know media darlings of the L.A. franchises when it comes to the Western Conference playoffs this year. They all, put some respect on their name. Yeah, all I'm saying is you got you to respect the name. You got to respect what the Nuggets are bringing. You got to respect that if you don't bring your A game, the Nuggets will beat you. And it doesn't matter if we have a full bench. doesn't matter if we have our star players. The Nuggets will beat you. We will find a way to beat you. 
That's what happened with Utah. And last night, even even missing our, our our additional three really good players. But regardless, I believe after last night's game, it is safe to say that the Nuggets can hang with the Lakers. For sure. Uh, tonight, last games before the All-Star break in the NBA. Only one nationally televised game, but it is a game that does have impact on your Denver Nuggets. The LA Clippers are on the road at the Boston Celtics. This game tips off at 6 on TNT. If the Clippers win this game, they will be tied with the Nuggets for the second seed in the West. So tonight, we are Celtic fans. Celtic fans! And it's also kind of annoying. It's All-Star break. Only one Nugget participating, like even like skills challenge and all that. Only Jokic is going to Chicago for the All Star. Makes no, no sense. MPJ in the Rising Skills Challenge. No Jeremy Grant, maybe even in like the Skills Challenge. Or uh, actually, I would like to see MPJ in the Skill Challenge, honestly. But it's kind of uh, kind of ridiculous. It is in time, man. Respect. In time. Put some respect on it. Anything last minute. You know what? You, everyone out there, have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the skills challenge for the NBA. And just, you know, take time to reflect on how how you're viewing these teams in Denver. Because they are legitimate contenders in Pepsi Center. They are. They are, are very legitimate. And Fire Brightage. Yeah. Def, def, get rid of that guy. Nobody likes them. Team don't like him. State doesn't like him. Nobody likes him. Get rid of him. You know, bring in John Elway. Anyway, guys, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you back Monday morning here on the award-winning, international contest award-winning BEA champions right here, the EMP Show. <laughs>